and coming to God's house and right away sensing a sweet, sweet spirit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can stand with me. Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I love the Word of God, don't you? Paul says, but now, ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. More than anything else, we want to be like you. And Father, we know that our salvation is a gift from God. It's by grace, through faith. We don't earn it, but God, now that we're saved, there's some things we must put off of our lives. Old habits, old ways. And God, we need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. I wish it wasn't true, but the fact of the matter is, every one of us here today have been affected by sin. It plagues our life, even now that we're saved, trying to draw us back into our old ways. And I realize that Jesus came primarily to, to die for our sins. Thank God He did. Thank God that the blood of Christ covers our sins, <clears throat> removes our guilt, and we know He's done that. And when we begin to understand deeply, we're better equipped to respond by living a life that pleasing him, pleases Him. And God's Word gives us instruction on how we are to do that. And what's interesting is this. I'm glad that God didn't give up on me. How about you? I'm glad that I'm not God. I'm glad you're not God. I thought about the Garden of Eden. It had been so easy for God to wash his hands of that and give up, but he didn't. He provided a way out through Jesus Christ. And he does the same thing for us. And that special relationship with God that was broken in the Garden can now be restored through a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ the Lord. And now that we are saved, there are some things that our, our, our new walk with God, our relationship with God involves in our life. If we're going to be able to do those things, to lay aside those things that God's Word says we are to put off. One of them we touched on for a little while last week, we'll highlight it again. We have to live by the Spirit. How many know the day you got saved, the Spirit of God moved in you? The day you were saved, you were baptized into Christ by the Spirit of God. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them. Paul said in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we're going to be victorious in our walk with God, we have to live our lives by the Spirit. Thank God when Jesus left... He didn't leave us without a comforter. He sent another comforter at the same time. And the Spirit of God now lives in us. And He's there to guide us to know His truth. He reminds us what Jesus said. He points out when we are disobedient. And He gives us the right word to say. And He fills us with the power and the desire to do good for God. 
We've got to live by the Spirit. Number two is, if we're going to be victorious in our walk with God, if we're going to put these things off we're going to be talking about today, we have to look to Jesus. Amen. We look to Jesus and we see his commands. Not as something we have to do, but now all of a sudden we're saved, we see his commands as something we want to do to express our gratitude for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verses 18 through 24. Now I don't normally use the NLT, but I am going to do this morning on this verse. Because I want you to see what God has done for us through Christ. Look what it says. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast, and the voice so terrible, they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, thank God. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. How many names are there this morning? You have come to God himself, who is a judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. And notice this, to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Do you realize what the writer of Hebrews is telling us? You remember the story in Mount Sinai. They saw that mountain and it quaked and fire and smoke and brimstone. They had to build a fence around it. Because God said, if anyone, even an animal, touches this mountain where I am, you will die. The people were so afraid. They heard the word of God, and they literally begged God, God, you tell Moses to stop speaking directly to us. And I want to tell you, folks, that first mountain was a scary place. But thank God we haven't come to that mountain. Thank God we have come to Mount Zion. We've come to the city of the living God. We have come to a place where angels are rejoicing. There's a joyful gathering. We have come to join the firstborn of God's children whose names are written in heaven. We have come to celebrate and to live for the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. We have come, if you will, to Jesus, the one who now mediates a brand new covenant, who shed his blood, not a blood that cries out for vengeance like Abel did, but a blood that offers forgiveness of our sins. What a God we that's where we are today that's our worship we have come to God's place and now we don't have to be afraid to approach the mountain of God 
Oh, mercy, that makes you want to preach. God, you've been so good to us. We don't deserve it. So this is a different approach to worship. A different outlook on our salvation. God loves you this morning. And I want you to realize the commands of Christ, they are commands. There's no doubt about it. But they are not like being under the old covenant that brought punishment. The Spirit of God is now living in us. And He's leading us to become more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But notice this. But faith working through love. You know what matters? Not your circumcision or uncircumcision. Not keeping the law. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And my friend, that's the difference. Faith expressing itself through love. Most of you are familiar with the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. We're going to read them again. Verse 19 through 21. The Bible says the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revel revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, a lot of things listed there. Some of those are behaviors. Some of those things that Paul lists in Galatians 5, 19-21, they're attitudes. But whether the behavior or attitude, the bottom line is, every one of them are self-centered. They focus on ourselves. And don't miss the warning. It is very clear. Paul said in verse 21, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that ambiguous? No. God cannot be any clearer than that. And those who are involved in a lifestyle of any of those things, God says, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. Period. What do you mean, preacher? The Bible tells me that this is not God's way of life. God does not want you and I to live that way. If you're a child of God, we should not want to be that way. We should not desire to live that way. It's not the way I want our church to be. It's not the way I want God's people to be. And my friend, it's definitely not the way I want eternity to be. I'm looking for a place, thank God, that one of these days, the only thing that dwells there is righteousness. Amen. Sin is gone from the presence of sin will be delivered. Thank God for that. But the great news is this. If you're on that list, God offers forgiveness for each one of those. Look at Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. I love to listen to Alistair Begg. 
Uh, he preached from, he usually goes 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. <laughs> and I love to hear his speak. But great preacher, man of God. Anyway, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators or idolaters. Adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves, mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Very plain. Verse 11 says this, And such were some of you. How many know that were is past tense? But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank the Lord. We were in that list. Somewhere in those lists, we used to live that way. But Paul says no longer. You've been washed. You've been justified. God has forgiven you of our sins. Let me... Let me poke the pig for a minute here, okay? <laughs> we hear a lot today. God loves everybody. God loves you as you are. Come as you are. God doesn't expect you to change. So just come. And I want to say this morning, I want to say it loud and I want to say it clear. The church should be a place where grace and forgiveness is extended. But the church cannot be a place where sin is given permission to abound unchecked. Did you hear what I said? Yes, we're to offer grace. And we're to offer forgiveness. That's the church. But we cannot be a place where we tell people it's okay to live the way you are, even though you're going against God's word. We cannot do that. And we must not allow and give permission for sin to abound and go unchecked. People need to know the truth of God's word. And my friend, if we don't preach the truth of God's word, the whole counsel of God, we don't love them. Grace, forgiveness, yes, but not permission to live against God's word. You see, the church, the Bible itself, preaches against those kind of sins. But it also preaches forgiveness for those same sins. God can and He will forgive us of those sins if we'll just look to Jesus. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit are simply a result 
of a heart that's devoted to God. That's what it is. The result of a heart devoted to God. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. And we hear a lot of folks ask, well, how can I know I'm saved? You know, there are many, many ways. But one of the ways to know if you have crucified your flesh, you're dying out to self, you are crucifying your own affections, you are crucifying your own desires, and you're giving your heart over to God. And my friend, if you're not doing that, that is a sure indicator you're not born again. Because my friend, if your heart is devoted to God, you want to please Him. You want to live for God. You want to abide by His precepts and His commands. Doesn't mean we always do. But Lord, you know I want to. You know I want to abide by your commands because my heart is devoted to you. So with the Holy Spirit living and working in us, we grow in the desire and the habit of rejecting the works of the flesh. As the Holy Spirit is working in us and we look to Jesus, we begin to bear the fruit of God's work in our lives. And my friend, you can't hide that fruit. It shows. And hear me well. The biblical message is clear. We are not under the law, but we are not lawless. Did you hear what I said? We are not under the law, yet we are not lawless. We are under the authority of Christ. That's why we have to look to Him. We're under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. And our lives are based on faith. Our lives are motivated by love, are characterized by joy, peace, and growth. Folks, that's how we gain victory, by living in the Spirit and looking to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So the reason I want to live in the Spirit, the reason I want to look to Jesus Christ, is so that I can live a different kind of life. Now, I don't know about you, but I know how I used to live, and I don't want to live that way anymore. I remember how empty I used to be, and I don't want to feel that way anymore, because God has filled my life. Thank you, Lord. And I want to say it very clear this morning. If God never did anything else for me, I am blessed beyond measure. And I can truly say, He's been so good to me. Let me give you some breathing room here. In about three weeks, we're going to start an Advent season. We'll take a break from Colossians 3. But don't worry, we're coming back. <laughs> okay. But give you a little, maybe something to look forward to here. And what Paul is doing here, and, and, and by the way, I, I say Paul wrote, writ, he wrote this. But under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Please understand, it's God's word. And so here in chapter 3, the Bible describes for us uh, a different kind of life. We don't have to be who we used to be. We don't have to live the way we used to be. Christ lives in us to change our lives. And when we come to Christ, our old ways begin to die. And we studied some months ago, 
Our new life is hidden in Christ with God. And this new life brings a whole new desire. Boy, what a desire it is. Thank God for that. Thank God for the desire he gives us. And that desire is to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. What a goal for our lives. So now that we are saved, if we are born again, we have a responsibility now to put off, put to death, to mortify our old lifestyle. We saw in verse 5 what we need to mortify. Verse 7, our past life, we were all there at one time. And here in verses 8 and 9, we talk, Paul addresses uh, getting rid of everything else that looks like worldliness. By the way, if it smells like the world, looks like the world, tastes like the world, chuck it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So once we experience our new life in Christ, we are to live it out on a daily basis in a very practical way. So far we've talked about anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, which includes slander. Today we come to filthy communication. Now first of all, whatever you do when you come to church, don't leave your brain outside. Amen. First of all, know that I'm preaching God's word. If I'm not, vote me out. And if you get mad, if I'm preaching God's word, you're getting mad at God, not me. What I have to say to you today is nothing new. It's as old as the scripture is. Verse 8, Paul says this, but now, you also put off all these. And I put dot, 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 the other one we covered. Paul says, filthy communication out of your mouth. So my question this morning again, so we know and understand the context who in the world is Paul speaking to? The unsaved? No. He's writing to the church. Those who name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Paul says, put off filthy communication out of your mouth. Crude talk. Abrasive language. And the Bible says that kind of language, you've got to catch it and you've got to stop it before it escapes out of our mouth. In our snack cabinet, you got one of them at home? We keep potato chips and things like that. Uh, I don't know where Pam gets these things, but come kind of clamp that you fold that bag over and it clamps and hold that. I need to find one big enough for my mouth. Strong enough, right? We've got to stop those words. Expletives, abrasive language, crude talk. Before they get out of our mouth. That also not only includes uh, uh, abusive language, but also disrespectful language. 
but it also includes impure conversations. Any time, any kind, any form of communication that would be considered filthy to God must be stopped. And we must avoid it. I think Matthew Henry said it well in his commentary. The gospel, he says, called the gospel religion, introduces a change of the higher as well as the lower parts, powers of the soul, and supports the dominion of right reason and conscience over appetite and passion. What's he saying? The gospel affects every part of our being. Not just though we consider the higher parts, but even the lower and base parts. The gospel controls it all. So we need to cut off filthy communication. We need to be careful of quick, rash, flippant, disrespectful comments, as well as the filthy communication of simple words and ideas. We need to stop it. And by the way, both are bad in God's eyes. We mentioned several weeks ago that a lot of people, Christians, look at these things we're talking about. Well, they're just little sins. How many know God doesn't have little sins? It's sin in the eyes of God. So God says they're sinful. Our text this morning tells us we're to put those things out of our life. And no type no matter what it is, a filthy communication ought to be in our lives. Folks, not only are we to live different, we're to talk different. Amen? We're to talk different. Filthy communication out of our mouth. Obscene discourse. Dishonest talk. Malicious talk. Disrespectfulness. Should not come out of our mouth, and especially directed to other Christian people, ever. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. How many know that God knew exactly what he was doing when he made salt? If anything tastes good, it tastes better with salt. Amen. But Paul says our speech ought to be seen with salt. Be careful there, if you will. Add flavor to it. But notice again in verse 8, Colossians 3, But now you also put off all these. Paul is writing, of course, to the church of Colossae there. To writing to all Christians, by the way. There were several who would read the original letter. We're reading it now. And so the Bible is referring to people there who used to be pagans. Used to be pagans. 
Talking about people who used to live a, a, a simple lifestyle. He's addressing folks who used to be servants to sin. But Paul says, that's in the past. Now you're saved. Now you're living as Christians. And now that you are, your behavior ought to be dramatically different than what it used to be. There should be a change in the way you live. And it ought to be different from the world around you. Now church, hear me well. Our lives have to stand out in the midst of a wicked world. Our lives have to be different than those we come in contact with. And God strongly obliges us to lay aside all these inordinate affections. No matter whether we think they're big or small, God says, get them out of your life. Ephesians 4, look at verse 22 and 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I think I've mentioned this several times in this series already. But the day you got saved, God justified you. He declared you righteous. That was a a legal act. The judge of the universe, through the blood of Christ, says, now you trusted Christ, you are as though you never sinned. But now that that has happened, Paul says, what God has declared to be true in your life, put it on. Start living that way. And we've come quite a ways in our list. We're to lay aside anger, uh, vindictive spirit, wrong attitudes. Paul says, put those things off. Verse 29, Ephesians 4. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The Bible says, stop it. Stop your filthy communication. Stop the lewd comments. Stop the alternate implied meanings. Stop the dirty jokes. Stop the vile words. And stop being disrespectful toward others. Wow. I want to I want to meddle just a little bit, okay? If you're a child of God, I pray that you ne- I hear the- never hear these words right anymore. Oh my God! Oh my God! Or God, my friend. Statements like that are disrespectful to God. He's not to be used in that way. Watch the language that you use. Well, preacher, that's not really a cuss word. Maybe not. You know how the world sees it? Some of the slang words you use, stop it. Stop it. 
talk like a child of God. And I often catch myself and I think, Lord, would I say what I just said to you? If you were standing here, Lord, would I say that to you? Would I say that in front of you? Would I use that crude talk, Lord, in front of you? Stop all filthy communication. Question is why? Number one, that type of communication will affect your relation with God. It'll affect it. First John 1, look at verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. Here's the message. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. I am so thankful that the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing me from my sins. But I also realize, and John is saying, what I'm telling you is a message we got from Christ. Here's what God has told us to tell you. And we have to realize as Christians, our fellowship with God is maintained as we walk in the light. We must walk in the light. And my question is, how could I have a proper relation with God if my communication is perverse, if my communication is dark, if my communication is sinful? I can't. God is light. And my friend, that's an attribute of God. Light enables people to do their work. Light produces growth in crops. Light reveals beauty and provides safety. Light represents what is good, what is pure, what is true, what is holy, what's reliable. Light reveals, light shines. And God is so completely light that in Him, the Bible says, is no darkness at all. So when I think about Him being light, God being light, as light is necessary for life, our communication needs to reflect God's light. Reflect God's light instead of reflecting the perverse darkness of Satan's world. My friend, we live in a different world, in a different realm. If we walk in obedience to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning our communication, we will be able to have fellowship with Him. 1 Samuel 15, look at verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? That's a question. 
Is that what God's delight is? Is he impressed when we bring our sacrifice? And all? Does that impress God? As in obeying the voice of the Lord? And the same was said to Saul, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. My friend, I don't care how holy you act. If we don't obey the word of God, we're not pleasing God. And perverse communication taints the name of God. So the question we have to ask ourselves is how is our relationship with God? So number one, it affects that relationship. Number two, and we touched on, touched on this a week or so ago. Never underestimate the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. How many know that there's tremendous power in the tongue? The tongue can either produce life or death. The tongue has the power to do good. With the tongue, we can give good counsel. With the tongue, we can share wisdom. Proverbs 10.20 The tongue of the just is his choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Second of all, the tongue can encourage. Now, I confess I don't always hear well, but I thought I heard Kathy say a while ago how she appreciated the cards and the comments. And how very glad when someone comes along and offers you, offers you a word of encouragement. Just the right time. And somehow, in some way, God has a way of knowing that Unless people know it. And don't you realize, and I think we all do, that the right word at the right time can do a lot for a heavy heart. Proverbs twelve twenty five. Heaven is in the heart of a man, make it his stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. The third thing the tongue can do it can stop anger before it boils over. Proverbs fifteen one. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Whenever we use our words in a godly, uplifting way, it'll bring joy. It'll bring encouragement. And the tongue can be a, the source of a lot of good, fruitful work in our life. Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. 
a word spoken in due season, how good is it? The power of the tongue. Have you ever squeezed too much toothpaste out of the tube on your toothbrush? Anybody? You ever try to put it back in that tube? Squeeze it back in there. An old proverb said this, three things once released will not return again. An opportunity neglected, an arrow released from its bow, and a word spoken in haste. We could spend six months on that one. An opportunity neglected, an arrow released, a word spoken in haste. See, the truth of the matter is sometimes, sometimes even when we try to say the right thing at the right time, we speak them in haste. And when that happens, in almost every case, right away, we wish we could take those words back. Because when we speak in haste, we forget to weigh what they're going to mean to somebody. But the one who hears it is going to respond. The words we may say in jest and everything we say without thinking. And my friend, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. Somebody once said that God gave us two ears and one mouth. Maybe that should say something to us. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. And it's sweet as honey, but sometimes in the stomach it becomes bitter. Especially when we look into the mirror of your word and we see that our lives are not what they ought to be. First of all, the things we're putting off cannot be done without your power, without being born again. And Father, I praise you this morning because you don't expect us, even as Christians, to do it on our own. I pray for all of us here who name the name of Christ. I pray, Father, we'll depend on the Holy Spirit and we'll look to Jesus. If we put off all these things in our life. I pray, Lord, that our lives will be Christ-like. And the world can tell the difference. Yes, Lord, even in the way we speak, the words we say. But I pray most of all, Lord, for those who are without Christ today. 
pray that somehow in some way they would allow you to break their heart of stone and they would run to Jesus. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My prayer is that you obey